0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to what I think is today's world's slightly better than okayest mountain bike podcast. Uh, I actually have an outline in my hand for what we're going to talk about. And miracle of miracle, Kyle and Ryan were both available to record this in the afternoon. So I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I have a lot more energy than normal. Uh, Kyle, Ryan, glad you could make it.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. All right. A rush so, hour pod for us. Rush yeah, hour a little,
0: pod little rush hour podcast. Um, I'm, a, I'm in the comfort of my uh, sweet recliner chair that uh, my parents purchased for me as a gift in 2015 when I broke my femur and uh, needed a chair to sit <laughs> in. And this chair has become. I don't know if I will ever get rid of it. It's so comfortable. Uh, I cannot read in it because I will fall asleep. I try to read in this chair. So, today's podcast, uh, I know we do a lot of podcasts that are very Missouri or St. Louis centric, but today's is a universal. If you're a mountain biker anywhere in the world, I think you can relate to this, maybe get something out of it. Even if you disagree with everything I say, it will. The one thing this podcast today will help you do is it will make you aware and conscious of your bike setup. Uh, And maybe for you, it could lead to you making a few adjustments that can make your ride better. So. Yeah. uh,
1: And and I think uh, we could probably probably also preface that. I, I think we feel like maybe all three of us are a little bit quite different in some ways. So maybe kind of expose some options for riders. Yeah.
0: And I think of the three of us, I'd say now, I'm not saying this to put the man down. But I would say Kyle is usually a little the one that's a little more on trend with what is like the current trend in mountain biking when it comes to setup and whatnot. Like yep. he's the most likely to be like with whatever the new idea is, we're going with it. I am a little more I'm not anti trend, but I'm also I don't feel like I accept them just on the fact that it's supposed to be the latest and greatest. Um, Ryan, I have no idea where you fall. No idea. All I know is for someone who's like two inches shorter than me, you have freakishly long legs. Because when I get on your bike, it feels like the saddle's too high. Like my feet barely reach the bottom of the pedal. And uh, I'm thinking, how is this man 5'7 or whatever you are? Because nothing... Like, <laughs> Your bike feels big somehow. I don't know how, but it does. It always feels big. Uh, I'm five seven
2: with a thirty two inch inseam. I don't yeah, know how. it's crazy. <laughs> and Kyle's the opposite. And I'm five foot eleven with a. Two, I'm five foot eleven with a twenty nine inch inseam.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm normal. So you guys, are, you guys are genetic freaks, and I'm, I'm, I'm regular. Okay. So, but this is great because if you you can relate to somebody on this podcast. At least proportionally speaking so let's get right into it so i'm a multi-discipline guy i i i split my time pretty equally um at least when i sign up for races between enduro or gravity based stuff because it, at shepherd we actually have a, a summer we had like a stopwatch series which was um uh, multi-stage downhill but we we were shuttled to the top could take multiple practice runs as slow as we wanted um so it was really more of a downhill type race but on everybody well actually that's not true there were several people running dual crown legit downhill bikes uh for this series on some of the stages so you could run whatever you wanted um but i want to start with ergonomics and sort of the rider triangle so when i say rider triangle if you think the three points being your pedals your saddle and your handlebars there's your your triangle and uh I I do a lot of enduro and also long distance riding. I would not say that I really would do a lot of cross country racing as far as that window of like hour, hour and a half, um, maybe two hour long race. That's pretty high intensity, but is a shorter time duration. What what I'm talking about is more, I guess, what you should probably call endurance or marathon, you know, four to six hour. range uh seems to be what you know the bt epic what we were i was 618 um but i try i'm trying to get in more of those 30 and 40 mile rides in so you know that's that's usually at least three if not four or five hours on the bike um which i think makes a difference for how you're going to set it up unless you're someone who's at the top level that can truly train you know five days a week or more. so uh I keep my my i try to keep my rider triangle in the seat up pedaling position basically as similar between the two bikes as i can um, I have learned that uh i I don't like to be super stretched out over the front um I'm not a super flexible guy and so if I'm somebody who's really out there reaching for those bars and starting to put tension on my back and my hamstrings that that's going to lead to low back pain for me. Um so I uh I run the same width bar 760 on both bikes. Uh the rotation of the handlebars very similar. I run A short-ish stem, so I'm basically trying to keep that distance from my saddle to the bars and from my saddle to the pedals the same on both bikes. Uh, Ryan, I know you're pretty well just cross-country bike these days. Kyle, you've got several, but do you all switch yours up between bikes at all?
1: Um, No. I would say my setup's very similar as well between when I did have a longer travel bike and my I would say thing and probably similar to you on my cross country bike. Contrary to most avid cross country racers with the long stem and even a negative drop, is I actually run a short stem like I would just on an enduro type bike. Um, And and for me, it's it's kind of that same. It's that low back comfort, but it's also kind of just to utilize probably my strength of maybe being a better downhill. Uh, descender than I am a climber, so um, just kind of giving me more of that comfort, that control, and stability. But uh, yeah, I would say between the two, you know, if I had a secondary bike, it'd be s- still set up the same way. And I'm I'm at 760 on my on my bar width as well. So what about you, Kyle? So I'm probably more
2: used to be in that I finally have a full suspension cross country bike to match to go along with like an enduro bike. Um, Before, my cross-country bike was a hardtail single speed that was set up very differently uh, than my Enduro bike with, you know, single speed, no dropper, hardtail, et cetera, et cetera. So now, I think I run 780 bars on both bikes. I think I have a 40 mil stem on both bikes or a 35 on one and a 40 on the other. Um, I run the same pedal interface, just different pedals. I run Shimano SPDs on both. and I run 170 cranks on both um i have different saddles on them at the moment but i'm kind of experimenting currently with my cross-country saddle after i realize how brutal marathon class is on the on the sit on the sit bones so um, we'll see if, it, if i like that saddle though if that saddle does well for me at this marathon race this weekend i'll probably be getting another one of those saddles for my enduro bike so they're they're pretty similarly set up despite being very different bikes i would say they're, they're pretty similarly set up but that's not necessarily on purpose because i have lots and lots of other bikes that have nothing to do you know setup wise with each other but those two bikes are
1: very similar okay I, I another thing you mentioned is crank length there kyle and uh this is actually the the s works that i have right now the epic evo uh is the first bike i've ever ridden with a 170 crank length and uh oh, really I, I, yeah yeah I what did you ran, used to have uh 175s i've always had oh, wow. okay. on everything even my remedy enduro bike was a 175 so um and i actually um I never experienced too much knee pain, even though I have terrible knees um that need surgeries, but I'm not having surgery yet. But uh the one seventy definitely seems like on the long stuff, uh it's limited more of my aches and pains, even up into my back. So just something interesting. I, I again I don't know I can't say I shouldn't say maybe it's the cranks, but um I, I used to get those aches and pains up into my back and then with this bike I don't. So could be a lot of different variations in the setup, but yeah.
0: Well, speaking of that, here's something that I think I've noticed a trend in mountain bikes recently and a lot of the reviewers rant and rave about that they love that I think um a lot of the reviewers on like Pink Bike and some of these websites, if you all haven't noticed, a lot of them are taller gentlemen. And yeah. so this becomes a factor for them more than it does us. But the, the trend of oh, we want a really, really steep seat tube angle, right? Um which for people who are taller, if, you know, all seat tube angles angle back a little bit. So the higher you go, the farther back you're going to be relative to the bottom bracket. Right. However, I have found, at least for me, that because when, when, when I would read about this trend and stuff, what I would do is I would, therefore I'd take my saddle and slide it really far forward on the yep. rails on, on the post. Cause I'm like. Okay, let's see what this is all about. And and on a short ride with a lot of steep little climbs, that was nice. But I have found as the rides get longer, my knees do not appreciate that. Um, There's a limit to really how far over the bottom bracket I can be comfortably. And have found that, you know, that super steep seat tube thing is not all it's cracked up to be because if i if i get too far forward uh i'll start getting pain in the front of my knee um you know and i think that has to do with the angle of your knee and your ankle when you start the the power of the stroke you know it'd be like if you imagine when, what people describe as like good squat form bad squat form good lunge form bad lunge form it's not that you can't have your knees over your toes a little bit, but you definitely don't want to be like all your weight uh, on the toes of your feet as you ke- as you're starting to push up from a deep, you know, from a pretty from a ninety degree bend or more or whatever. And I have found that, yeah, if if, if it's, you know, I don't want a bike with a eighty degree seat tube angle because I'm not tall enough to make that work relative to the the rest of my height. Um, I think you well, can actually end up it,
1: getting some pain there. If I can add to that, like, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's like that height thing. And because like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I have been a freakishly long inseam for my height. Like I'm riding like a medium or, a, you know, um, size frame, but my seat post is way up in the air. Like you noticed when you rode my bike, Clinton. Yeah. Um, so it does put me way back over the back of, of the tire more cause that seat, seat post is so long um Mm -hmm. sticking out of the seat tube and so i i have even thought like man i'd I'd love to see something with a little bit steeper seat tube angle in the future possibly you know i i kind of do like you i slam the seat way forward and so i used to i don't
0: do that anymore yeah but but i do and it works
1: It but it works for me because i have such long legs so i'm still not way i'm not over the front of the bottom bracket but I, I kind of understand where they're at, but like you said, if all their test riders are freakishly tall guys, then, yeah, there's kind of that difference there. A shorter rider maybe would prefer that slack or a seat tube. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, so,
2: it, so the pink, the, the pink bike guys is Kazamar and uh, uh, God, I can't, I'm going to fill Levy. that. I think they're like five, Levy, Levy. Yeah, it's a Levy. So, I think Levy and Kaz, Kaz are both under six foot. I think they're only like, so I think one's five nine, one's five eleven.
0: I thought they were taller than that. I really did. I'm not
2: sure. Um, We can check and see, but I think they're pretty comparable. They're both. They're both like Kaz is skinnier. I mean, Kaz is like it's you know is skinnier than than all of us. But like uh, Levy's, Levy's, I think like our size.
0: Well, part of it also might have to do with um, just you know before I got into bikes, I probably had more of a I wasn't I'm not wasn't like a super strong weightlifter but I did I was very consistent for a long time being in the gym doing weighted things like squats and deadlift and um where the form is a little more weight on your heels and my body is very comfortable pushing more quad dominant whereas so, so if you imagine sitting farther back, when you start that push. You're and, and you're using more of your gluten quad. um, And you have less of a tight bend with your hamstring and that kind of stuff. So that, I mean, it could just be body, some things like that, but mm-hmm. uh, I definitely know there's a limit. Same with Q factor. Um, you know, I used to read that a narrower Q factor was better for ped- lots of pedaling um i think some engineer somewhere from a physics standpoint probably th- thinks that makes sense but certainly if my feet are in too narrow of a stance i'm going to get knee pain i know this for a fact because that's what happened to me the first year of the bt move my cleat from making my stance all the way narrow slid the cleat just sideways completely the other way to make my feet as wide as possible and never had a problem since um now i'm keeping the same pedals so basically i have i don't have wide q factor pedals like with a longer spindle like I, I use crank brother mallet ease both bikes just the regular mallet E, not the long spindle version but i run my cleats where my feet are almost as wide as they can be on those pedals which i think works well and uh also helps you know i still a couple millimeters in for rock strikes uh, or get less rock strikes probably but figuring those things out for you and then staying consistent I think is very important for comfort um, another thing I do with all my saddles that I've learned and just have to do it it works for me is I run them slightly angled nose down I don't run them level I have to point them down and it doesn't matter if that saddle has a very flat profile um, Or if it has more of where the back kind of rises up. If it rises up, it rises up. But I have to have the middle of that saddle with a slightly down angle. Or I'm going to get numb in places I don't want to be numb. Uh, I've had
2: that happen before. And that was an unusual unusual feeling. (laughs) Yeah, it'd you out. Well, and the other thing, too, is I know the
0: conventional wisdom is the longer you ride, the more you ride, the firmer of a saddle you need. But boys i'm not saying I, you don't want a super soft super thick saddle necessarily but i definitely have found oakland even after however many years i've been riding mountain bikes oakland needs a little padding back there that actually functions as padding uh to stay comfortable um yeah
2: no i I purposefully not, pur- not not purposely chose this, but I definitely had a narrower saddle than my sit bones require. It was just happened to be the lightest saddle that I had in the house, so that's what I put on my cross country race bike because I was building a nice light bike, uh, and it was miserable. So I, I it, on the Bontrager saddle I ride a 148. This was a 138, and I kind of forgot that I had done that because I've never done a ride long enough. Um, but I, I didn't I didn't have my bits go numb thankfully, but I did. Um, I did, I did have sit bone pain to the point where I couldn't sit down anymore. So I'm hoping hoping this new saddle is the move.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I definitely like a cutout or even if it's not a, few, a full cutout, at least a big, you know, a nice indention groove down the middle to relieve some pressure. And I've been running this, uh, recently this giant Romero SL saddle, which is kind of giants first foray into like a really nice saddle that uh, their Enduro team developed, and that's been it's been pretty good. It's probably what I'm going to run. Uh, it's not on a bike now. It was on my Izzo, but I took it off when I sold that bike, and I'm definitely going to run it on. I'm building a Trance Advanced Pro, so I'll be running that. I, I almost certainly will have that on the bike come BT Epic time, um, and it's not too heavy. So Yeah, Works
1: I ran, uh, ran for years uh, up until... Up until I built this bike, I ran the WTB Speed. Um, and that was an awesome saddle. Uh, when I built this bike, I just getting everything through specialized. I I now have the power mirror, which is an absurdly expensive saddle, but I do <laughs> like it. It is good. Uh and it does for whatever it, as cool as a saddle can look, it looks pretty cool. Um but it was absurdly expensive. I'm not sure I would spend that again. But the the WTB Speed I, I ran for years in cross country when I was doing even the yeah. hundred mile races, and it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, Ryan, so. you
0: spend as much on a saddle, or, or presumably would have, as I'm probably going to spend on a whole set of nice brakes. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but oh, no, they are they're expensive saddles. That's the one now, I'm trying now. Kyle, uh, why I don't are you have still? A mile on it yet.
0: Yeah, why are you still holding out for 780 bars?
2: Uh, I like 780s on the enduro, like I really do, and, I, and I've got bikes with 750s on them, um, but on the enduro at pace, you know what I mean, I don't know, I feel more stable. I like I like the 780s. Now I can't remember if my cross country bike is 780 or not. I think it's at least 760. I might have cut them to 770, but I, I'm pretty sure they're 780. I,
0: they're wider than mine. I rode yours around, and I could tell they were wider than mine. But see, I'm not. I feel, you know, I'm running 760 on both. There are definitely certain trails uh on either bike going downhill that Look, you can say, well shoot, the difference between 780 and 760 is only, you know, a centimeter on each side. But I've still barely hit some trees and an extra centimeter of contact would have been the difference between skirting by versus smashing my pinky and crashing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah
2: but like you manage it though like you know what i mean I like i suppose I, you know what i mean like I, I like when i'm thinking about running bars the last thing i'm thinking about is maybe i'll hit a tree because i missed one my last ride by just a centimeter you know what i mean like it, yeah. you, you know we, we, we're, we're adults that are pretty good at riding bikes i mean like spatial awareness is a thing that we're, we've gotten to be pretty decent at you have a, I, you i've have never a point i've never hit a tree i've never hit a tree with a bar and been like oh man That that was definitely that extra centimeter worth of bars fault, not me paying attention and being offline. You know what I mean?
0: Well, let me give the give our folks something to think about because here's how you should determine your bar width, and it's not by what the internet tells you. It's really not even by what we tell you that there's a magic number. But here's here's the things I think about when it comes to bar width. Is number one, what puts me in a strong position. Uh, especially in enduro to be able to hold up on hard compressions so imagine if i was going to do a bench press or a push-up on the ground like w- w- how wide are my hands where i feel the strongest um is particularly the strongest like going down like if i started a push-up and i started going down and my kids came and jumped on my back where would i want those hands to be where i have have the strongest possible way to brace myself right that along with um if you run your bars too wide for your arms and shoulder width uh i would say under a hard impact not hitting a tree but like just a a really hard compression and most people aren't going to deal with this anyway but if you're an enduro or downhill person if you're too wide you might be opening yourself up to more of a, uh, an easier shoulder injury. Um, I'd still say that's pretty unlikely considering, you know, motocross handlebars that I ride are in probably 800. I, I don't know what they are exactly, 800, something like that. Um, they don't feel that wide on a motocross bike. They would feel ridiculous on a mountain bike. But uh, if you're a smaller person, you know, you, you can go too wide where you're, you're you're taking the ability to absorb impact off sort of the front and and everything and it's 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 going to be putting tension out too wide so that's just something to think about
1: Um, I kind of use along with that Clinton like my philosophy is I kind of want uh if I'm in in like a, a crouched attack position I want my elbow to be like I guess almost like a 90, like I don't want my hands, my, my hands out further than my elbow and I don't want them in closer than my elbow. Like I kind of want that perfect 90. Um, as far as like a width goes on, on my bars and where I position my grip and in my, and then into my levers, like, I, I don't know if that was something you want to discuss, but like, even like a straight plane, like from my elbow down through my wrist into my fingers as to like my lever position, you know, and I'm saying this is from like a good crouched attack position.
0: Yeah, I probably yeah, run I my levers. I... Uh, oh, sorry, Kyle.
2: So I've changed I changed my, my lever position quite a bit over the few years. So like I, I used to run, so it's an old BMX thing because like BMX bikes, you never rode sitting down, like period, you just rode sitting standing up the whole time. So I used to ride my levers in that straight line, the same as Ryan described, but that position was way different because it was always a standing position. And then for the longest time, I just didn't care about climbing or riding trail. I just wanted to go descend. That's all I wanted to do. So I ran my levers similarly to that in my mountain bike. But over the past like year or so, mostly from bullying from Clint, I've started to try to adjust uh, the angle of my levers. And I'm not angry about it. I, I don't know if I noticed a big difference. Um, but I definitely run them more up than I did. But I still run mine fairly far down compared to Ryan.
0: Well, here's a big part of that is until we made Shepherd Mountain, there really wasn't much call for steep terrain in the area and uh, the difference is once you get into some truly steep stuff where you're braking and you're bracing, you know if you think about your hands sitting perfectly on top of your handlebars with your fingers out you know with your palms on top of the bars that's really not where you're gonna brace against the bars trying to get your weight back going down a steep braking really hard you're gonna rotate your hands down just a hair where the bars are pushing back against it instead of if you're straight on top it's gonna be easier to slide your hand off the top of the bar right and so i run my levers a little higher that way if i'm crouched down and i've got my my body down more the angle of my hands and wrists are going to rotate back a little bit so if my levers are way down low and i'm having to grip over the top but i'm also going down steeps and breaking it's gonna I'm gonna have to hang on even tighter to the bar to keep my hand from slipping off and so that's why you know my levers aren't level with the bar they are down a little bit but they are in a position where I know I'm not gonna miss that lever no matter how I'm holding my hands and the most important place for me to make sure I don't miss the lever is when I am descending and the steeper it is the more important it is that I don't miss that I can always reach it. So that's kind of why I run mine. And when I'm just pedaling around and stuff, you know, I have been more mindful lately of just trying to take some tension, unnecessary tension off my body. And, uh, when I have my hands in a little more relaxed position, let's say I'm sitting up a little more, my fingers aren't going to be pointing straight down when I reach. I mean, so I run my levers up, i'd say they're higher than most but they're not extreme it's not like i've got them flat with the you know parallel you know same as the ground or something um but okay cleat position i run the same shoes no matter what i'm riding yes i know i could buy a lighter shoe for cross country or whatever but i just don't care i don't think it matters that much i really don't uh i guess technically it's more overall weight but as far as pedaling weight it doesn't matter because one shoe is the the, one shoe's coming up and one shoe's going down offsetting so as far as like spinning weight it doesn't really matter it might contribute to your total weight but i just run my cleat position has actually moved forward not by choice but i just got crank brothers mallet e shoes and the 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 cleat box in the farthest back position it will go is farther forward than the farthest back. My specialized downhill shoes would go. Uh, So it has moved forward a little bit, but I'd say it's still behind the ball of my foot. And for me, it's just a safety thing. The farther back, the more stable I am on landing. Uh, I know it's probably not ever going to happen to me, but I think about Tomac's Achilles issue. And to me, the farther out on your toe you are, the more at risk you are. I mean, it's, it's that simple and over a long, long distance race, I don't think it matters. It might matter at the beginning of the race in a sprint. Cause I, you can engage your calf more the farther up your cleat is, but man, once I found a spot where my knees didn't hurt, I'm leaving it there. Like I'm not messing with it.
1: So I run, I run different um, shoes on my Go
0: ahead, Ryan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Clint, you got to call us out. Um, Sorry, buddy. No, I, I on my cross country, I've always ran very far forward. So, like, I'm very far on the balls of my feet. I pretty much run the cleat as far as forward as it'll go. Oh wow. um, But it, but it is interesting, uh, and I think that's for that calf engagement, like you just said. Like, I, I like. I actually like to, you know, in the longer races, if I start getting cramps in my calf or something, like I actually use that as an opportunity to kind of stretch my calf out. Um but I will say when I was racing enduro and I ran a different shoe, an enduro type shoe, um, and I did clip uh as there's famous photos of <laughs> um I did run that cleat really far back actually, uh kind of as far down in the middle as I could. Now I don't think that 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 cleat box was near as exaggerated as it is on a cross-country shoe either but uh i did run it far back so it's kind of interesting actually i had very varying setups between the two shoes depending on the bike
0: now ryan do you get cramps in your calf is that is that where you get Uh, cramps or
1: um yeah usually it's uh usually actually my calf is like early in the race and then i kind of stretch through it it's, uh, it's, then it's usually in my quads later in a race when I, if I'm cramping. So yeah, I kind of get a little yeah. bit of both.
0: That's interesting. I've never had a cramp in my calf, but I think with my cleat position, like I don't engage them nearly as much as, as you, yeah. it's, it's mostly quads. So I've maybe, only ever maybe. had them in my quads.
1: Maybe that's it. Maybe I need to change that up.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Do what you're doing. Do whatever you did last year.
2: Just do whatever you did last year. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> no reason all right go ahead kyle <laughs> so c- kind of like ryan i i had pretty pretty very 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 different setup so i run a 510 uh, pro well, i don't know whatever it is hellcat or something like that for my enduro shoe and i run that one pretty far back to the center of my foot uh, i like i'm spending a lot more time on my feet you know what i mean and just supporting body weight so i don't blow my calves out um if i'm in if i have the cleat further back on that shoe um, it's also not bad for walking. Like it puts the cleat in a better position for that and having that like flexible, you know, rubbery shoe. Um, but then for cross country and I run the same shoe that I run for gravel and it's like a it's a proper carbon sold, you know, cross country race whippet shoe. And I run that almost as far forward as I can possibly get. Um, like I have. So the way I always used to set it up for a gravel road and cross country for myself and then for customers would be the front edge line on the cleat itself on the widest part of the shoe. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty far forward, but they're very different, wow. very, very different. But like the, the the riding is pretty different too. You know what I mean? When you're talking about body position over duration of time, um, it, it makes sense. But I, yeah, I, I, so I run a, I maybe, run a very, very different setup.
0: Maybe I just need to get more flexible. Cause I feel like if I did that, I would end up in a world of hurt. Like I found something that works for me and I'm running it and that's just it. Like, that's just what I'm running. Not worrying about it. Swap bikes, no different. Go pedal.
1: Um, well, so. I think too, um, one of the things like I, I set set my road bike actually up, very similar to my cross country bike. And that's just because the, the pedaling is more similar. Like if you were comparing... Um, you know, uh, an enduro bike, how you pedal and race that to a road bike, it's very different in a lot of ways. Like, you're just seated more, uh, cross country and road bike, whereas, obviously, enduro, it's a lot of standing sprint. So, um, yeah. I think that's part of it too. But definitely, I, I would, like, I think it's you spend uh, a good part of like your early learning. You know, if you're a new mountain biker, you spend a lot of good part like experimenting these things, and sometimes, sadly, spending a lot of money to figure it out. but then when you find it, like if it works for you, it works, like don't change it. You know, like, like I would never tell you to change what you do, Clinton. Like I'm no expert, right? Like this podcast is fun and we, we like to share our opinions, but you know, maybe an expert coach or a bike fit guy could, could, could change your, change that. But, um, you know, certainly it's, it's an experimentation and a recommendation thing, you know? So, yeah. All right. We got to
0: start moving a little faster cause we're, we're running out of time here. Um, so, unfortunately, man, I could get into this. If you're a listener and you want to get into the nerdy weeds, shoot us an email. Uh, shoot me a message, whatever. OKSTEMTB okay, at gmail.com. And uh, I, I check that pretty regularly. Um, so, I'm going to move on to uh, suspension. So, my suspension setup for enduro, when I'm setting up an enduro bike, this, I'm just, man, I don't have. I wish I had time to really get into the The clickers and the and everything but here's here's the philosophy is i set up a what in my mind is a safe bike first when it's a new bike i i so and this is what this means to me a safe bike primarily is one that's not going to uh throw me over the handlebars unexpectedly um that's number one uh And so what that usually looks like is I usually start out a little bit firmer uh, on the fork on compression, uh, pretty middle of the road on the shock on compression, but a little bit slow on the rebound. Um, but, But slow on the rebound, probably for most people, it just means pretty well middle of the range. And if that feels okay and nothing feels super crazy, what I usually do then is slowly start opening up the compression and uh, opening up the rebound where it rebounds faster um, until I find a point where all of a sudden, if I start to feel like I'm getting bucked around, maybe it's a little too pogo sticky in the back. Um, I'll I'll stop there and maybe go back in a click or two to where, yeah, when I'm going in a straight line and everything's good and it's real rough, it might feel really good with that rebound, but in my mind my philosophy is it only takes one bad bounce it only takes one bad bounce or one bad kick off a, a lip that was steeper than you thought or whatever it just takes one to go wrong to ruin your whole day or your whole year um and and another thing i don't like i don't like a really divy fork um in corners you know A lot of people think about their geometry and, oh, make my fork longer or whatever. you got to understand, your your bike gets steeper the deeper it is in the stroke. Um, So if you run too much sag, you could have a 180 fork. And if you're running 30% sag, guess what? Your head tube angle angle is no slacker than someone with a 170 fork running 15% sag. Uh, You're just as steep as they are. Um, So that's usually my, my safety first. And then you know if a, if a bike feels harsh but i don't want to soften it up too much or whatever i might throw in volume spacers that way i can open the compression and let the air spring do more, do more work but again it's the philosophy behind it is usually that safety first um and again especially the steeper it gets uh usually the firmer my fork compression is going to get so that way when i'm on the brakes it doesn't dive too deep into the stroke um, I'll bring you guys in on XC, but because of time constraints, I'm just gonna move fast through the enduro um tire wheel and slash wheel insert philosophy. So for enduro, my whole philosophy is save the wheels. Uh, it's not even save the tires. if you've got downhill casing tires in this day and age, punctures really are pretty rare. Um, a lot of people for some reason think that if they put an insert in their tire, it will help with punctures. This is generally. Wrong, The only type of puncture an insert is going to help you with is a snake bite where you're bottoming the rim against the the tire. And even then, if you've got downhill casing tires, that's unlikely. My whole deal is the insert is there to help me preserve the wheel or the rim uh, when I do bottom against a rock. I run enough pressure in my tires. I pretend like there's no insert in there and base my tire pressure off of that. Uh, because here's here's the dirty little secret. Yes, cores help. Um, that's that's kind of the standard insert. I don't run them. I use Vittoria airliners. Um, they're easier to get in. And I think on impact, they basically do just as good of a job. But I have seen a great many, well, not a great many. But I have definitely seen cores taken out of bikes where guys ran you know lower pressures and whatever because they had that so that's extra support so it felt good but along the rim edge where the cush core rests against the rim they are cut through just holes cut all the way through from bottom outs all the way around um it, an, an insert is not going to you cannot get away if you're a hard rider you cannot think of it as this thing that's going to let you get away with really low pressure. And, but then you say, but Clint, you know, Richie Rude runs them, and he only runs, you know, 28 PSI and 25 or 6 in the front, and he weighs 200 and something pounds. Well, you got to understand, Richie Rude just needs to get through one day of riding with that wheel, and and the next day, he's on a he's on a new wheel, uh, or at least at the next race. And I promise you that thing is hammered. But if you are someone who doesn't want to spend several hundred dollars every race because your rim is basically destroyed afterward, you cannot rely on your tire insert to be this magic airbag that stops any and all bad things from happening to your wheel. It does not work that way. Um which is why I also don't think most people need cush core if, for enduro. I think cush core makes sense more for the general trail rider who wants to row in lower pressures because it gives you support and it does give you some protection. But if you are hardcore smashing into rocks and you don't want to break wheels, you basically have to run pressures as if that thing's not in there. Because um, the, it's, it's just the physics. Like the force is going to push through that foam pretty fast once it gets once you get up to high speeds um you guys want to chime in on that at all or we can move on to the cross-country stuff
1: (laughs) no no i mean i i I, I do (laughs) go for it kyle because i don't even have an enduro bike i think there's a delay
2: like i said like I think there's a delay between what you hear and what i say uh anyway so. so I I kind of view it, Cushcore as the ability to run the tire pressure that I want at with a more or the higher margin of safety. So I, I, I do I I do look at it differently than you um, so I do run Enduro casing tires on the Enduro bike and I run uh, fairly lightweight but, sub, but like you know substantial compared to like most lightweight inserts and I don't, I don't it's not Cushcore brand. Uh, but I run those uh, mostly just so that I can continue to run like 24 26 PSI and without the risk of damaging carbon wheels. But
0: that, that works where you do most of your riding. I agree like that's that's fine. but I'm coming from the perspective of don't come out to like Shepherd Mountain where the impacts to rocks are just those harder. You're going faster. People need to understand kinetic energy is mass times velocity squared, which means that you know, as the speeds pick up, Right, everything else can be the same. Rider weight, same as always. But as the speeds pick up, the energy going into these impacts exponentially rises. Um, and so, you know, twenty six psi and an insert at Shepard. If you're doing a race, is not a, it's. A, I'm. I mean, you you might get away with it. Like I've I did it. I got away with it many times, but eventually one day I didn't and i heard a bang and there went my carbon wheel uh because i relied on i thought that piece of foam in there was going to be enough to save me and so somewhere like that i tell people if the back end of your bike feels really good you do not have enough tire pressure for riding here all right it's going to have to feel a little chattery if you want to keep it together i told i the bme i told everybody that i met on pre-ride day more pressure don't run what you normally run i'm begging you don't do it did anybody listen to me absolutely not did i see the those people come down after one run with a broken wheel yes i did and it's just like i i don't know why no one believes me but and it's not like shepherd's fine if you just set your bike up like i don't have problems with it but anyway you know enduro that you've got to get to the finish now cross country this is where i don't you know i don't know if i'm like other people or not i might be pretty regular uh cross country grips uh, i think you guys also do this i run a foam grip uh, i run the odi lock-on foam grips because i don't want to deal with trying to get those esis on there so i'd rather give up a you know sliver of plastic extra underneath the foam and get to use a lock on just slide them on and off at will Than try to have to use an air compressor or whatever nonsense you all have to do to get those uh, slide on grips on um but it definitely helps for long term you know long distance riding getting some of that vibration out of your hands um what grips are you guys running you're doing the esi chunkies or whatever they're
1: called
2: yeah, I've even got the
1: the really fat ones, the extra chunkies, or whatever.
2: Yeah, so that's that was my go-to for uh, for my cross-country bike was the ESI extra chunkies, and that's that's the probably the grip feel I prefer. Um, but I had some tendonitis issues in my wrist uh, going into Miner's Tough uh, last week, or a couple weekends ago, and so I'm trying a new grip uh for this weekend because i can't like you, you can't finish long races if you're in pain you know what i mean so i'm trying to try a new grip so i'm moving to the ergon uh i think it was the ga2 but you got just a little just a little bit of palm paddle is what it is yeah
0: well you can't tell me you can't finish races in pain because my first year of the bt epic i promise you i have never been in pain like that but i knew if i didn't finish it i'd never hear the end of it from you guys and uh I literally <laughs> couldn't get off the bike and walk after the race was over. I had to pedal one footed to my truck because uh, my knee was just absolutely wrecked. So, but Kyle, a warning. I mean, I used those kind of grips the first year, and my left like pinky into my wrist nerve like was messed up for like three weeks. Uh, so make sure you get whatever angle you're supposed to run those things at. With the little paddle, make sure it's right. You end up like I was, and be like, "What did I just do to myself?" Even though it felt good during the race, uh yeah. the are over, I was like, "What the heck?"
1: Clinton, I rode the rode those kind of grips for uh both the years. I did the 100 mile, and it was fine. So I don't know what's wrong. Okay, with well, good. Oh, that's great, <laughs> like, dude. I'm
0: weird. You know, maybe I'm just my body's just weird. I don't know. I thought I was the normal yeah. one, but apparently not for. Okay,
1: all good. Like. No, I think that's just the, proves the point. Like, there's what works for one person doesn't work for others, right? Like, yeah,
0: okay, you try Sus- stuff.
1: I'm, then, so, I'm suspension. Here's just- me.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle.
2: It's not important.
0: Okay. Okay. Suspension. Cross country suspension setup. Okay. My philosophy is that not enough is made. There's not enough made about distinguishing between trail systems and here's what i mean a good cross-country suspension setup to ride somewhere like bluff view or zombie where the terrain is mostly a very nice packed dirt with a solid rock almost like a i wouldn't call them features because they're not that big but you know what i mean it's like we've got nice dirt here's a rock nice dirt here's a rock here's a root here's some more nice packed dirt okay you following me versus riding somewhere like the ozark trail or council bluff lake or berryman where it's like here's some golf ball size to baseball size loose rocks here's a washed out climb that's very rooty right that doesn't allow you to really carry speed as well I think, I know the traditional idea is a cross-country bike is usually, even if it's full suspension, it's pretty stiff. It's kind of harsh because it's all about pedaling efficiency. But I learned something last year when I did the three-legged monster race. I actually did it on my enduro bike, but I put on my cross-country wheel setup on the enduro bike. Now, this really sucked because the first seven miles was gravel road. And it was the same first four miles as the bt epic so you started with a four mile climb now instead of getting on the trail there we went another three miles and got on the onto the berryman loop where it crosses floyd tower road is where we entered the woods so i was getting smoked on the gravel road however in the woods that section of trail there's a a good section of it that's rough it's loose rock and it's not just it's not just it's not gravel i mean it is gravelly But there are there are like baseball size rocks, just loose in these corners and stuff. Sometimes they're loose, sometimes they're packed. You never know. But with that Enduro bike, I was able to carry momentum through all these loose corners with roots and rocks. Where I was catching people that had been out of sight for miles. And when I say I was catching them, it wasn't like slowly catching them. It was like All of a sudden I am there like like they're sitting still going through some of these rough rock sections because my suspension is while it's not as efficient under pedaling what it allows you to do is maintain and carry that speed that you've worked for so much better and so. I experienced with the YT with that Izzo once I figured out that there were spacers in the negative part of the shock and I took them out and it got way more plush. It was faster because I wasn't losing speed every time I hit a root or a rock, and it was barely, if at all, less efficient under pedaling. Because once you kind of hit that sag point, if as long as you pedal smooth, like it doesn't really make much of a difference and so you know I want my suspension to work if it's overly stiff and harsh you've kind of you're losing the the benefits of having the suspension having the suspension the, in cross country the benefit is not just comfort it's actually yes it might take you two extra pedals to get up to speed compared to the hardtail guy but once you're up to speed if it's flat or downhill and rough it's so much easier to maintain that speed if the suspension is doing its job. So my cross country suspension setup, and I don't have lockouts, Um, if I'm on a road, I'll flip the shock switch, but if I'm not on a road, I leave it open even on the climbs. Uh, Relatively soft to middle of the road fork, maybe slightly firmer rear, but I don't run it so firm that it, you know, gives up being a shock. And I think it's because oh. carrying speed is just as much of a part as pedaling efficiency.
1: Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, oh go I, ahead. I, don't have oh, I was going to say go ahead,
0: Ryan. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, um okay, so I would say I agree with It was like a lot. yeah I would agree with how that handles like you're talking about like going through those turns and catching those guys and whatnot like there's a there's there's a compromise with suspension right like that's the if we could wave the magic wand like we could blink our eyes right and lock it out when we need it stiff and but but it's 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 technology right so um for me I would say I I and I agree what you said early on about the fork not diving because when it dives it changes that geo and everything and and i've even ridden with a lot of beginner mountain bikers that especially in cross country because they're not that skilled and maybe it's a flat section but it gets through like technical rock or something like that and there's holes between the rocks where a lot of people will drop their front wheel in and then it dives so hard that they end up actually stopping and going over the handlebars right, right. and that's a that's a combination of the suspension being too soft and then changing that geometry would be so steep that it throws him over the front. My dad battled it for a long time until we got him on the right bike. And now he's like refuses to even switch bikes to something even newer because he's comfortable on it, which is great. But, uh, I do run mine pretty, my fork pretty stiff. Um, I, I kind of like it to run high in the front. Um, yeah. and, kind of let it get a little sketchy i guess you know um and then rely more on a a kind of a a more aggressive front tire than most people would run in cross country to kind of hold traction and turns for me so maybe that's a little counterintuitive um to the idea of the suspension but uh i feel like it's it's working better like last year i tried a very small knobby fast rolling cross country tire in the front and it just it wasn't working for me and now I'm yeah, able to kind of run my same suspension setting, but that I, that I know I'm what tire you
0: with. had that, that Sierra, you really had to just commit to cranking the bike over in a corner to make it work.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And even and, then, I mean, it, and it, when you're, it was...
0: when, yeah, well, when you've got the seat up and maybe you're just kind of doing like winding turns where you're not like, you're still pedaling or, you know, it's not a seat down downhill situation. You're right. I mean, that front tire would push uh, yep. for sure i I had the same tire so i know exactly how you felt um
1: yeah um my shock i actually feel like i probably run it really soft but i utilize the lockout feature a lot on it like i'll reach down and flip it between between uh you know it's kind of that ctd yeah. so like between t and uh c like i i, I use that a lot you know where it's uh, i'll lock it out quite frequently um especially on trails, I know, and I'm kind of like, all right, kind of get into that sequence of, you know, when you hit it and when you don't. Yeah. Um, So I would say that's kind of maybe a little bit of a weird setup um, in some ways. Now uh, I run my, my rebound really, really slow as well on both ends. Yeah. So it kind of just stays settled into.
0: And and I think it matters on cross country. I I meant to hit on this um, on the shock because especially climbing you're hitting bumps usually very slow and it's so slow that the tire might still be going over the obstacle like as the shock is rebounding and that will pop you up off the seat you know climbing up roots. yeah it gives you like a buck and then you can't pedal and so yeah I definitely overall run my rebound slower on the cross-country bike even though i'm not hitting jumps and drops usually and that sort of thing i have to run it slow or i can't keep pedaling through obstacles because it'll buck me up off the seat you know just b- like bouncy you know yep um, yep
1: yeah so that's what i've I've kind of found to work for me you know um just kind of experimentation and, and like it, it's it was interesting to me how i changed nothing on my fork settings but went to a, a different tire and totally i mean i think i told you guys and maybe even said on the podcast like i wasn't in love with this bike and turns out throw a different front tire on it and i'm like i love this bike (laughs) yeah so yeah um
0: yeah going to the ground control uh i I put some ground controls on especially on the front compared to that sierra i was like oh this is maybe it doesn't roll as fast admittedly it, it it doesn't roll slow uh it might not roll as fast but by golly is it just a much more consistent safe feeling tire it doesn't grip like a butcher but i like i feel like it doesn't do anything weird at all
1: no like just, and i be i'm running a purgatory up front yeah so so
0: yeah my tire philosophy is i don't want flats so i probably have to go this is why i don't have a ground control T5 out back because there's a little extra layer of protection on the T7 so do they roll as fast on the gravel and the pavement? Probably not. Do they roll as fast when it's really rough and bumpy? Uh, technically, maybe not, but I don't think it's with, you know, it's less than a percent probably because you're bouncing over roots and rocks, you're, you know, your tires not really grinding into the ground at that point anyway. So I'd rather get to the finish um, and not have to deal with punctures if at all possible. Um, And, and also here's the, here's the other thing is, you know, Ryan, I'm competitive with you as my buddy. I'm certainly not competitive in the, in the class, right. For marathon. Oh, you know, we're not competitive. (laughs) Well, and here's the other thing is I'm going to ride this bike when I'm training. I still want to have fun. And to me, true blue cross country tires are not fun to ride. Because, yes, they roll super fast, but they are sketchy. You have to be aware more of the rocks and things. So would you? Would I be faster on them, provided I didn't get a flat? Yes. Are they fun, and do I enjoy riding them? Not really. And I'm going to go train more and have get more miles in if I'm enjoying myself. So that's, well, that's kind even, of the other part of it.
1: That's even kind of my philosophy with the short stem on my cross-country bike. Like... There's, you know, times when I'm not going out to train and I just want to go ride and have fun and bomb a downhill. And, you know, that I'm not saying there's not some very talented cross country guys with very negative degree stems and long stems, handlebars slammed right at the top of their fork crown, but um, that can fly downhill. I'm just saying for me, that's what kind of keeps it a little fun and a fun bike because it's the only bike I have. So,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. They're super fast guys.
1: you know the epic That's last year i think uh,
0: there's a motocross guy that you might recognize his name ryan that was really fast back in the day him and his brother but blair miller uh does yeah, that, that name ring weird. a bell tennessee yeah. guy um yeah. i think he was top 10 and i was looking at segment times on some of the downhills and i mean i know those guys were on true xc setups and they were ripping down those things you know we're we're recovering you know just trying to make it to the finish line they're racing down the hills sure yeah Uh, but kyle's got a jet here i think so kyle thanks for coming on um y'all i think i am gonna call it i need to go help with some children if you ever have any more questions if you ever see any of us out on the trail You know, I know it's cool in pink bike world for Henry Quinney and those guys to talk about how awful group rides are and they don't like to stop and talk to people and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not me. okay? you see me. You figure out it's Clint, whatever. I don't know how to identify myself visually. Um, You might say that guy looks a little too chubby to be out here doing this. It could be me. Um, (laughs) If you think it's me. Uh, if, if you see the, the S-Works Enduro, which I don't know how much longer I'll have it, um, I'm hoping to get a uh, pretty sweet Trance Advanced 29 Pro built up here real soon with the sweet paint job. Um, probably have a Manitou Matic fork on it. That's a little different. Should be recognizable that way. You, please, talk to me. Like, I will not cool guy you. I'm more than happy to chat. You're probably faster than me anyway, so... Um, yeah, don't don't ever hesitate to reach out or talk to us. Uh, we are not annoyed by other mountain bikers in the slightest. I think I speak no, to all of us. So it's
2: actually super exciting when somebody says, Hey, I listened to your podcast and you're like, Oh my gosh, somebody listened. It's fantastic. <laughs> we love it. Yeah,
1: it's great. We love it. Yeah, it's super fun. So um, No, it's just good. A little 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 different topic than what we typically do, so hopefully we can do more. Uh more general for the general public. Maybe we can expand outside of our Missouri listener base eventually.
0: So (laughs) this was fun. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you later.